What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Hey. Good evening. Good evening. This is this is a Michigan call to Illinois, February second, two thousand seventeen, at seven thirty. Uh, Paul is the moderator. Nick is on the control board. We're going to take uh, roll call. Uh, Paul, you on? Yes. Here. John, John. Present. Buck. Buck is here. Joe B. Linda C. Yes. Dan. Yes. Dan's here. Emily. Don. Joe. Yes. Jesse. Yes. Richard. Cindy, Nick. Here. Okay, Narveen, uh, you and Steve are on tonight? Yes, and I think Dave, is, uh, Scott is joining us too. Am I right, Steve? Steve is still that's, here. That's what yeah, I I'm heard here. him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Okay, here. he's here. Yeah. Dave is here. Scott is here too. Okay. Very good. Joe, will you read the uh, Vivis decision, please? Uh, he's, he's looking, quick. looking. Got it. Okay. Uh, i got to put my eyeballs on. Bear with me. This meeting is private, bearing false witness, misrepresentation, and posting in public forum is forbidden and shall be addressed in an appropriate manner. To eliminate all conflict and false allegations, is there anyone in attendance at today's meeting that is a member or agent of any law enforcement agency or public agencies of the federal, state, county, city, or township agencies present? Is there any response to the Bivens decision for the first time. Again, this meeting is private, bearing false witness, misrepresentation, and posting inflammatory rhetoric in public forum is forbidden and shall be addressed in an appropriate manner. To eliminate all conflict and false allegations, is there anyone in attendance at today's meeting that is a member or an agent of any law enforcement agency or public agency of the federal, state, county, city, or township agencies present? Is there any response to the Bivens decision for the second time? And for the third, this meeting is private, bearing false witness. Misrepresentation and posting inflammatory rhetoric in public forum is forbidden and shall be addressed in an appropriate manner. To eliminate all conflict and false allegations, is there anyone in attendance at today's meeting that is a member or agent of any law enforcement agency or public agency of the federal, state, county, city, or township agencies present? 
Is there anyone? Is there any response to the Bivens decision for the third and final time? No response, sir. Thank you very much, Phil. Okay, to start off tonight, we're going to continue on with what we started on originally with uh, the notice for the settling for Illinois. Paul, it's uh, it's your floor. Okay. Um, as you see up on the screen here, On the left-hand side is the notice that was in the newspaper. Correct. And on the right-hand side is what we normally use to settle a county. This is from your handbook. That's from the Illinois handbook. I mean, the the mission. Okay. Yes. The same thing. Yeah. Same. Yes. What's on the right hand side is from from our handbook. Correct. Correct. The blue ink. Now, going down through here, there's there's been numerous changes in what was published compared to what we do for settling counties first. And in here you get. Um, from the beginning, living on the land of Illinois, a free and independent state. The word free, if we're going to do the state, should have been capitalized. And the other thing is, is we do counties first. We settle the land before claiming the state. You can't claim a state without the land being settled first. That goes back to settling a state. As you scroll down through here, there's another spot here. We the people. Down towards the bottom of the paragraph. Oops, sorry. Certain limitation, certain limited agreements with other settlements of we the people. And then the one that's been published is of people. We the people is going back to the origins of who's creating this document. And the thing is, is people, when it's a lowercase p on any noun, it becomes a common noun in the study of the English language. It's not a descriptive noun or it's not a proper noun. A proper noun would be a capital P. Anything that's a noun with a capital P is specific. Correct. So here where you have lowercase p, it's it's a general classification, a general common noun. There is nothing specific about it. Yeah. See whereas the one on the right, it's capitalized the because it's basically being shouted and very well pronounced. The thing is also is in the English language, the study of the English language, is when you have the word of in front of a noun, that becomes a possessive. What is of possessing? It's the people of other settlements. 
it's not you have yeah. to go back to the other settlements, which in turn is what we study. There's okay. counties the yeah. counties and other states have already been settled. So the thing is is that to have the settlement of counties and or states, you have to have something designating this, which you go back to the beginning of the paragraph. Um, um, may I say something? Yes, go ahead. When I, I'm the one that sent it to the paper, and I copied it from your handbook, and I did, I'm pretty sure I put it in uppercase for the free and independent, exactly the way you did it. And further down, you will see the words United States. It was lowercase, because I know about that, and I know about this. Um, and I think it was an error that was made at the paper, with the paper. I'm going to have to confirm that because I handed it to them by email and uh, or the, uh, uh, the actual uh, print-up. Um, and I didn't realize because it already printed up. And I don't know at this point... Um, that what change we'll have to we'll have to talk within the assembly and see exactly what changes and how we redo this. Um, I'm sure Dave is, uh, has already mentioned a few other uh, errors that we've made, so we may have to just redo the whole thing and do an amendment and say that this is now being amended. That would be correct. Also, Marvin, what we do is the first time it comes out. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, 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 let me back up one previous step. There's what's called a proofread, which is mm-hmm. send it, the publisher or the newspaper sends it to us the way it's going to look like in the newspaper, and it gives us a chance to look at it and make sure it is correct. Then we give them the green light or the okay to go ahead and print it. That's now, normally the case, and... Uh, I don't remember that this was done. Okay. Now that you come to think ask of it. For it. Yes, well, I mean, go ahead and ask for it. That you want to be able to proofread what they're going to print. If they say that they do not do that, they always make do. note of it. Then yeah. turn around and you want to make sure that you are there the first day that it is printed. You want to make sure you have a copy of it the first day that it is printed. And the mm-hmm. proofread it right there, because if it is not the way that you wanted it done, you can stop it right there and tell them to correct their mistakes. Mm-hmm. It's not the way, because we run into this, like on United and a few other, what they would consider non-grammar, non-grammar errors, mm-hmm. it would be incorrect. This is what I'm paying for. This is what I want. It's not yours to change. I'm the customer, and this is what I want, and this is what I paid for, and this is the way it must look. And they have got to correct it then. But there's, um, you got to make sure it is correct in the first first week that it does come out. So that's one thing that we're very, we're, we're sticklers on is to make sure. So that would that would help you quite tremendously. If you don't get a proof if you don't get a uh if you don't get a a oh, what was I just gonna say earlier. If you don't get proofreading. 
a proofreading to start mm-hmm. with, make sure you catch it in the newspaper when it first comes out. Okay. Um, scrolling down through here a little bit further. You'll have to scroll it because I can't. Yeah, Nick, go ahead and, and bring it down a little bit. Just make sure the word notice is at the top of the screen on the left-hand side, please. All right. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Notice on the left-hand side screen. You went too far. You went two inches too far. All right. All right, Paul. Okay, right there. Now, in here, and this is just showing you some of the grammar errors that we catch that even um, newspapers or somebody end up changing. Mm-hmm. Um, the notice, again, it should be a county here. And right there, you got Rock Island County Original Assembly, Library Records. Um, okay, I'm just records in harmony. Okay, this is where I'm trying to follow There's There's a rewrite here somehow, and I'm not. Okay, no, it's not. The split screen, we're getting a little bit out of out of kilter here a little bit, trying to follow this through. Um, I know. Everything's stacked up to the line. But again, just above the line on the left-hand side, a member of... Free should be capitalized. Uh-huh. As we scroll down a little further below the line, and again, the U in the United States of America should be at small U. I know. I'm. I'm I better. know. I put that in there. Yep. That's that's. A newspaper will do that constantly, and that's what has to be stressed. Um, I'll mark that in my note. There's an explanation behind that. It actually, it wasn't even united. There's another word. But I'll bring that up a little bit later after we get through this. Um, section one, local people and the family. Um, my. And um, people jurisdiction grade. Okay, everything down to I believe it looks correct down Illinois Records Library is where it's recorded at. Um, known as the agents, known as principal. I can't see. It's uh, it needs me, to scroll down. Yeah, give me a second to scroll up. 
That's, yeah, it takes a minute to scroll that down. Okay, there we go. We got a lot of noise on the call. Somebody's got to mute themselves. They're in front of a fan. They're going to pick up noise. There we go. But I see the person I knew it was. Okay, your screen should be caught up. Okay, now if I remember right, this is where we stop normally. Is is first page? Is yes. if you look at, uh, I'm looking at. I got to grab this other screen here. Uh, when scrolling down through here, is at the bottom. We stop where it says when you got um, notice the agents, notice the principal. This part here, the grand jury, the common law can be can travel to all counties in Illinois on request. Um, we end up stopping. Notice the agent, notice the principal. Yes. Yeah. We have to scroll down. I can't see that. I I wouldn't. Because common law juries don't travel. Common law juries have to be picked out of that area. I beg your pardon? Common law, a, a grand jury is picked out of that area. If an incident happened in that area, that's where the jury has to be picked from, is that area. Okay, I'm, I'd, when you're done, I'd like to address that issue. Pardon? When you're done, uh, I will address that issue after, you know, when, when it's all done. Or if I can speak now if you'd like. Yes, please. Should I speak now? Yes. Okay. So I was specifically told when we were getting this started that we get the state include as many different counties as possible because it is a state. And remember that at that time, 1818, it was mostly territories, especially in Illinois. And the specific advantage of having members of the assembly who are from different states is that it can travel on invitation. That was a specific inst- instructions that were given. That's the reason why we went first for the state, settled the state with different counties being represented by the different members. And we almost have nine counties, if I'm correct. I'll have to think, but it's about there. And then, we, and we're doing, and we are proceeding with that pattern. Now we are going to the different states. And one of the, the next, the two counties that we're looking at that are adjacent to Rock Island County. So that was, we went according to our, and it's, it's actually reasonable. It stands to reason that 
you would be able to travel on invitation. You're not going to go and barge in, but if you're invited, then you would go there to assist because they do not have their county up and running as yet. And that's the advantage of having the state first with the representation from different counties. That's why we did what we did. Okay. Those instructions, I don't know. I'd like to know who said that because assemblies assemble in the county. When you get enough assembly members in that county, and assembly members can travel from county to county when invited, yes. But when there's enough assembly members that are in that county, that are from that county, and they can assemble either a petite grand jury or a full-size grand jury and decide to settle that county. That would be the correct way. And if somebody needs help in a county, say in um, Rockford County in Illinois, then assembly members would go down there and help those members get things in order, get their assembly in order, who's going to be the county moderator, who's going to be the treasurer, who's going to be the recording secretary, and get yeah. this done, then decide, okay, the assembly is going to have a grand jury, and they're going to settle this county. That would be the proper procedure to do that. Once you get enough counties settled or the land mass settled, then you can put the publication in there that the state has been settled. But it goes back to um, uh, there was something you can, I'm looking for it, Illinois statehood is, is a uh, procedure when you Google it, how Illinois became a state, is how to uh, settle settle a state, how many people are needed to settle a state, from what area geographically, um, percentage of the counties involved. So it's, it's the same as Michigan. It requires three-quarters of the area to decide upon the fact of having the state settled in, in a well, certain type of government. Well, when you take the territories at that time and the number of counties that are already represented in the assembly as we have it right now. Uh, let me check. I have the paperwork right here, I think, that will tell me how many states, but I'm pretty sure it's about nine states, nine counties, I'm sorry, that we have already got represented because we've been doing this for about a you know, for quite a bit. Quite a few months. Okay. In, in a public forum, if somebody is coming to represent a county, who sent the representative? They came themselves. You, no, they can't call themselves a representative then. If I represent somebody, the definition of a representative is representing something being appointed by or for. And well, I don't think that that's, I mean, that's not going to be 
there because people don't even know about this yet. That they cannot send a representative because this is all new territory. I don't have the the counties uh, with me on my sheet of paper here, but I can get it. But they. Um, oh. but, I I gotta ask, what was Illinois territory wise? See, long story short, in Michigan, once upon a time was, is that there were so many counties that were settled below in, in the southern half of Michigan, excluding the Upper Peninsula. There were so many counties settled. Then from the mid-Michigan area going north was considered mm-hmm. a territory where there were there was not settled counties, but it was a settled territory. In order to have that territory settled, there had to be people to settle that territory. And that territory was called Mitchell Mackinac. And that went from the lower half of or the upper half of Michigan all the way up to the northern end of the Upper Peninsula. Once that was settled, then Michigan could have a vote on becoming a state without the counties and territory landmass coming into full agreement. They can't decide upon statehood. They cannot say that they're going to settle the state. The counties in the, in the landmass have to be have to come to a nexus on settlement. It can't be 14 people that say we're going to settle the county, or I mean the state. See, where the screw-up was on that is if you study Michigan, there was a a general or a captain. I think there was a general that came in during a war, after a war, and said, I'm going to be top dog here in Michigan in this territory. And you two guys, and it was his two commanding officers below him, you're going to be a treasurer, and you're going to be a recording secretary, and we're going to draft this paperwork today. And it was done underhandedly in the beginning. Three guys decided we're going to have a territory. And that was, that was not right when you go back and look at it. Later on, when things were done properly, counties settled, territories settled, not just named, but settled, then the state, then there was an agreement that they came together to have what was called a statehood decision. And the paperwork, the document, the constitution for the state was drafted at that time. So there has to be a settling of counties and or in the way that we found about Mitchell Mackinac was is going back in the state archives. And in the state archives, Michigan did not have all the counties named. They had a handful of counties, and actually, when you go back in Michigan, at the time that statehood in 1835 was being decided upon, some of those counties were very, very large in their time. Today, they're, they're smaller. They were divided off or sectioned off. So 
So the thing was is that the area landmass has to have representation and a vote of the people in order to have that. And there's people that have to be involved from the geographical area to have and to make the documentation for that state to be settled. Without it, there's procedurally this uh, the congressional acts show the procedure and how it involves statehood. And I know here in Michigan, and it's in many states because we've studied it, there has to be three-quarters of the populace or three-quarters of the counties have to come to a conclusion to have the statehood. And that's what we did, because we had enough counties and our territory being that we could not, and I repeat, not be able to settle all the counties. So that area we put under what was called, we reverted backwards to the Mitchell Mackinac territory is what we did. Correct. The unsettled counties were under the Mitchell Mackinac territory name just like it did in 1835. The unsettled areas were territory. The settled areas or the settled counties were all named. Then they come to the conclusion for statehood. So in your case, you have to find out what was Illinois called as a territory upon 1817. How many counties were settled, and the counties that were not settled, if it was a land mass, was it called a territory? Or, you really want to get creative, like down in Indiana, some of them counties stretched from the south all the way to the north in strips. If I remember, I think that was a state, because it was only four counties wide, the entire state of Indiana. And it went from the south all the way to the north. So going back in 1817, how did Illinois settle that state? How many counties were settled? Because this is the research that we did. We had to go back and find the original documentation on who, what, when, and where. And that's what we went by. Now, in the meantime, if there's enough people, 12 or more, or 13 for a petite. They have a petite grand jury in Rock Island. Yes, that needs to be done. That needs to come to conclusion. It needs to be settled. In Rockford, Illinois, if there's a Rockford County, if there's enough people there, they have a petite grand jury. If there's an assembly has enough people, they have a petite grand jury. Settle Rockford County. Settle Cook County. Settle these counties individually if there's enough people in that assembly there to settle that county and start publishing. It's got to be done that way. The thing is, if you're in an area, say that you get an area where you don't have those people, then yes, in Michigan, we put it under the old name, Mitchell Mackinac. What was the old name for the unsettled areas, the un I mean by unsettled is the areas that were not named as counties, just like it was in Michigan. 
1835. Find out what the name was, then put that into a territory. But then again, you've got to have enough people in that territory area as an assembly to decide to have a grand jury or even a petite grand jury to settle that area and get it published. Once the whole entire state is done, then you can have a meeting of the minds of those people, meaning you got the entire state settled geographically, county by county or county by territory, then you can settle the state. And this is all interim. You've got to get these seats filled. You've got to have representation. You've got to have these office positions done before deciding statehood, before drafting a document for, if you're going to draft a covenant for Illinois, if you're going to state, or if you're going to do a constitution, or whatever you're going to do, which I don't, I digress from a constitution. I have many reasons for that. You've got to be able to have and show proof beyond a shadow of a doubt that these people have come together from this settled area to settle the state. And with that, I yield right now. Nervine, I would, this is Paul, the moderator. Uh, I realize this is like a giant jigsaw puzzle at some times. To give the, the people that have been the longest in Michigan since it started are not on this call. The mostly because I asked officers and for one reason or another. But in the beginning, some people that started this movement in Michigan were involved in restore. Uh, rap, Restore America. Uh-huh. And they got run over in the process. And when they got run over, they realized, oh, we can do this ourselves. We are being put upon by someone who wants something, and it's not the people. So these people were gathering in a group, a patriot group in the southern end of Michigan. Mm-hmm. And they started putting their heads together and they started deciding exactly what should be done. And they decided that they'd have to go back and form assemblies. Well, the, a group broke off from the group in the southern part of the state and they started meeting in Lansing. Mm-hmm. And there was there was nothing in place, only a bunch of people and they were talking. And they started laying down documents and paperwork. And they started writing out exactly what they think it should be. And they made proclamations. And they made documents. And they they put different things together. But there was no approval of this by anyone. It was just a formation of the documents. And the documents gave the people a plan. And this is what we stand for. This is what we believe in. This is the process and the procedure of how we are going to declare ourselves a free and independent state under the Mm -hmm. Northwest Ordinance. Mm -hmm. So 
there was about 30 or 40 people that spent a tremendous amount of time putting those original documents together at all those different meetings. And when they got all done, they these documents comprised a plan for government for free people in Michigan. And so they kept asking, and Paul and I come into this. And Linda Colby and Dan were probably there before us, but they were they were saying what everyone needs to do is get 13 people together in their county and enough people for a petite jury. When you get that many people gathered together, have a meeting in your house because you know people that are upset, get enough people. When you get enough people, we, which were several of the officers, several of the people who had been at it the longest, we will come to your county and we will help you to settle your county, to do the documents, and we will get this up and running. Uh So as as soon as that had happened, and we get one county settled, another county settled, and pretty soon we got the formation of an assembly in the state. See, the assembly was always in the state as, as an operating group, but it was the counties that settled that finally gave the state their authority and their power to act. But the counties had to be settled first. Before the counties could be settled, somebody had to come up with a plan. Somebody had to do the research. Somebody had to put these documents together with the mountains and mountains of research in order to know precisely what needed to be done to have a government based on a covenant and in the form of assemblies. And that's what we had to do first. That goes, what I'm telling you now is back before what Paul was telling you about. That's how we handled it here. Mm -hmm. We just started a state meeting to begin with, which was a break off of a a patriot group. Now, probably you have a lot of questions to to ask. Yeah, I'm I'm listening. This is fascinating. And the question that comes to my mind is that The process, because there are two things, actually. On the one hand, we do not reinvent the wheel. And we do not turn around and redo things that have already been done in the history of our country. And the second question is more of an observation. Well, maybe it's not. It's a question. At what point did the de facto LEO begin to, or did they ever begin to harass you for what you were doing? In other words, the reason I ask that question is because you and I, we all recognize that we are on a, in a, on a minefield. And if you step in certain ways, you're fine. And the, the law, um, you know, the de facto law enforcement is not going to say anything because you're not breaking the law. But if you are doing things that they can find fault with, then they can turn around, whether it's historically accurate or not, then at a certain point they will just come in and haul people off and put them in prison. And I'm curious about if if that ever happened 
these hauling people off and putting them in prison. And what was the instigation for that? Because we have in Illinois have to make certain we don't we stay away from those things. And I don't know what the laws of Illinois are about that. Um, so that's my my uh, my uh, more it's more of a concern than a question because we've had this county guy, chairman of the county, say that there is no common law in Illinois, which is total hogwash, and we know we all know that. And he knows it too. You see what I mean? Yesterday, while I was moving many tons of paper around my house, I found a document that I'm going to copy and send to you, but I wanted to ask you first your permission to send you some mail. Yes, please. I, I can't scan it because I don't know how, but I'm going to eventually get a copy of it and have you also receive it through ComSec. I found the Dillon Rule, which originated back by an action in 1907 where a federal judge made a decision on a case that the state empowers all local government and directs all local government and controls all local government. And I can't take take you through every intricate little detail of this case, but it's four pages and it's a brief overview, and it'll give you a splendid idea of how federal government took the lead to change the status of the people without the people even being involved. My gosh, that's, that's, that is so, I don't know how you qualify that. Okay, in another instance, I've been following this guy, Schweitzer, from Colorado, who worked on the Trading with the Enemy Act of 1917. And he always told us when he came out here to speak, he says, go read the federal record for the first five days of Franklin Delano Roosevelt being president. And in that time, the states abdicated, I don't even know if that's the right word, their authority to the federal government which the states were responsible to the people. The states were never responsible to the federal government. They were always responsible to the people. They were manifestations of the people. And at that point in time, the people were no longer represented. So along the way of 30 or 40 people breaking off from the Patriot Group and developing the paperwork and the documents and the plans and procedures for the assemblies, many, many times have been noted and many examples and much evidence of the fact that the original government was no longer in existence in function. It had been changed in all these different times, the Dillon Rule, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and uh, signed die in 1861 in the, in the Congress, Many, many times, this has all been changed. Uh, so we know that what we wanted didn't exist, and what should be didn't exist, so we made the move to change it. We had one circumstance. Within our assembly, 
that one person in our assembly had made a, a contact with the federal authorities and asked if there was any upset. And there wasn't. Because we hadn't done anything that was wrong. We hadn't done anything to draw their attention. So we are doing absolutely, totally what what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. It is, it is our authority, which is which is only unscrupulously been abridged and usurped. But it was it was never. It's like me driving off with your car. I didn't come ask you if I could borrow your car. I just drove off with it, and the next thing you know, your car is going down the road, and you're powerless to do anything about it. And that's the way you are going to feel if you read the the Federal Register from. 1933, in May 5th through 8th, and and we know, they know, so we moved, we feel we're doing the right thing. Only when you do things that you're not authorized or not empowered to do, you cannot go over on the statutory side and dictate policy. We are not the statutory side. We are the people. And sometimes in different states, people have stepped over that line and have done things they weren't supposed to do because they go back into this frame of mind, you know, that they owe us and we're going to take it from them. Well, our final position on the whole situation is we declare ourselves and we're going to get to the point when there's enough of us, we're going to ask them to fall in line and do what's proper according to their oath and according to the way the government was set up. And when they fail to do so, we will declare ourselves and no longer be interim. We will be the government. But the first simple plan is, A, is we ask them to correct themselves. And when they fail to do so, we institute, B, we are no longer interim. Does that kind of cover yes, it makes your a lot concerns? Of sense. Yeah, I'm totally understanding what you're saying. Now, the grand, the grand jury, according to what we are, um, the way we understand it, while all this is going on, the grand jury is actually can hold its meetings and its deliberations and, its, and offer uh, based on the presentment it's given. Yes, but a grand jury needs to be called. And who are you yes. going to call a grand jury from? You're going to call the, a grand jury from people who are in assemblies that have done their documents and made their declarations. You can't take a bus and go down the road and scoop up people till you get a busload and come back and have a grand jury. Our grand jury pool is all from the assembly. And the three grand juries that we have held for the people have all been from the assembly roles. They're all assembly people. They're people who have their documents in place declaring who they are, how they stand with God, and with his law. In other words, 
if you're going to be a government, and you're going to be in unison, and you're going to be in assembly, you're all going to have be on the have to be on the same page, the same belief, in the same direction. You're all going to have to move as a unit. Now you walk out of your house and go down five doors, knock on the door and ask if there's anybody there that feels like you do. And guess what? <laughs> You're going to have to knock on a lot of doors before you come up with some more people feel like you do. So you can't use that person to be involved in a process of a free people when they do not understand or comprehend. Yes, it has to be of your peers. Yes. This is our effort to make it right and proper. May I add something in regards to what you were speaking about earlier, uh, particularly around the legislation and the executive orders of what Roosevelt did? Yes, by all means. Okay. Um, what you were referring to, what he did, and yes, there's, a, there's a, an enormous amount of things that happened right during that time. And what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, the bankers went to uh, Hoover and and ordered him or tried to order him to put some of these executive orders in the, in, in the last day of his presidency, and he absolutely refused. He said, absolutely not. I'm not going to commit treason. Forget it. Um, but because Roosevelt was one of them, basically, um, he was of a New York family, uh, high banking, finance, and he agreed to a vast majority of this before they basically put him into office. And what really happened from the standpoint of the, it, it was the property. Because after the 14th Amendment and people had started to register property, register this, register that, even marriage licenses, which are the first, I don't know if you know about this, the first marriage licenses were only supposed to be between those that were to intermarry, meaning between black and white, because uh, it, it was considered a property event. And the registration of all these things, what, Roosevelt did was he pledged all of the property that was registered in on the county recorder's offices in every state by the agreement of the governors of the states. There was a big meeting of all the governors that got together and agreed to basically commit all this treason at one time to pledge all of the property for the loans that the United States Federal Corporation took out took out from the Federal Reserve. Now, it's all about, because all of this is about consent, and it's all about uh, power. It's all about delegation of power and consent. We had registered a lot of this property because they came along and said, well, you have to. But here's the thing. The property, the ownership of the property is still with us. They, they call, the United States Federal Corporation and all this commerce stuff, they all call, the banks, they all call us unknown creditors. They are still and must hold all of that property still in trust for us. It's not that we lost it. We're just not coming into the proper status and saying, look, you're the trustee. I'm the executor and donor of this whole entire thing, government included. We allow them to exist. And, and what he did was to take all the property and then say, well, I'm going to subject you to it, and now you're going to be all subjects. You're going to be basically you have the right to use the fruct, but you don't have the right to actual ownership. Well, that's exactly what the Roman civil law system was. They, they were desperate to try to, ever since the revolution, to bring back a system that reflected 
what Rome was, which is a Roman civil law system where you have the right to use a fruct, but you do not have the right to ownership. And that's where that whole nine-tenths of the law comes from. Ownership is nine-tenths of the law. Under the Roman civil law system, if, you're, if it's not registered in the Roman rolls or in the Roman registry, you were not considered to be an actual owner. And they wanted that system back over all of, all of the United States because that's what they've had for millennia in, in, in Europe. So what he did was he set up – it was boiling the frog. People slowly registered their property here, slowly registered it here. But here's the thing. Because it's your property, you can, you can take it back. You can say, look, do you have any interest in the property? And this goes for land or cars or your children or your birth certificate, whatever. There's all, all these various different things. You can take it back because they have no interest in it. You've got to stick them in the proper position. Every public servant has a fiduciary uh, responsibility to you. But what they did was they abrogated that fiduciary responsibility and committed treason. Well, basically, they committed common law theft is what they did, um, which carries along with it the same penalty of, of treason, which is first-time offense under common law is death. And what we haven't done is come back and say, no, I do not agree. It's, it's about the delegation of power and about the consent of it. Basically, we've just been consenting this whole entire time. We just need to quit and say no. But I agree with you. That was one of the pivotal points where everything got screwed up was what Roosevelt did. Now, Lincoln did exactly the same thing after the Civil War. He went down and declared that all of the properties of the southern states, he basically just took it. He just took all the property of the southern states. And that's where he had the carpetbaggers come in and, and why basically when he ordered the southern delegates back, they said, you're out of your mind. We're not going to take any orders from you. Forget it. And that's where Congress went see and die. Now, not to say that the, the office isn't there and that the republic still isn't there. It is. It's just that the offices haven't been filled. But my personal view of everything that I know through history is that the grand jury is beyond that. It's beyond the it's beyond having to worry about the Republican form of government or, or, or even if there are any offices that are being filled at the moment. The grand jury still has the all-in-all all all power to assemble at any time they want to. And the Supreme Court has agreed with that. Just recently in the Williams case, that was, they said, look, yeah, you guys have the right to assemble into a grand jury anytime you want to, and there's nothing we can do about it because we delegate power to them. Power is always, or sorry, power is always vested. We vest power to them to do a specific amount of things. If they exceed any of those specific pow powers that we vested to them, they have exceeded their jurisdiction and then therefore caused a trespass upon our substantive rights, which they do not have the right to do. We just got to hold them to it. So that's, that's my two cents about and I And I can tell you a lot more other, other times in history where this property transfer has happened. It goes a lot farther back than people know. When Nero, when Nero burned Rome at the agreement of the Senate, they came back with the 12 tables. The Senate created the 12 tables. If you go and read them, the 12 tables are the beginning of that Roman civil law registry uh, control system. And it's the basis of the UCC today. 12 tables, you got 12 articles in the UCC. And then they, get, they did it again in London when they burned London in the 1600s. They lost all the documents. They said, well, we don't know who owns whatever. And what came after that? The Sestri K. Vi Act, which said, if you do not, you're considered lost. Read the Sestri K. Vi Act. It's a, stunningly, it's a stunning admission as to what they're doing. They say, we don't know who you are. You're lost somewhere. You're lost upon the sea of commerce. You're lost and gone beyond the seas, and we don't know if you're alive or dead. 
So we're going to administer all your property until you come forward and bring a claim. And then they and then they did it again and again and again. This it, it's it's this same pattern over and over and over. And you got to really understand how far it goes back in history, and that it's the same thing happening. It's just happening to us and in a different time and with different law and in different ways. But they always go about about the ruse in the same way. You're always in a pending state of neither alive nor dead. You're pending because they don't know who, they don't know where you are. They don't know who you are. That's why you go into any court. I promise you, you walk into any court for any reason. I don't care what the reason is because these are all admiralty courts now. You come in and you state your status. I know a guy walked into court and said, Your Honor, I come before the court as having been found to be living. That judge yelled and screamed at him at the bailiff to get him out of his court. Why? Because those courts can't deal with someone real. But that's a status issue, and that's a consent issue. We have to stop consenting to what we know they're doing. And the trouble is a lot of people don't know what they're doing. That's, that, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. And, yeah, there's a lot of pieces of it. But that property thing, you're right, from, from Roosevelt. But I'm just saying that that property thing with Roosevelt, what he did, it's not lawful. And it's been done a lot of times in the past. And I fully agree that that is one of the single most important things that needs to be rectified. Because if not, we're going to still sit here. We had in Michigan... Back in, in the 90s, we had two patriot groups in the middle of the state, 100 people easy at each meeting. It took between 30 and 35 of the best minds of those two groups. And they did a ton of paperwork, and they filed it. And they were going to take back their property from this infamous, infamous government. They all went on vacation. Some of them died while they were gone. They went anywhere from five to 12 years because they touched something that they didn't have any claim to, but they believed was theirs. People that were in the Southern group in Michigan were aware of all this, and they had been in and lost and been bruised and battered from leaning up against this monster. Those people had came forward and put the documentation together and the documents and the process together for assemblies because this is what they believe is the answer. When a state is settled, when a state is settled, a grand jury of the people can be called. That grand jury can adjudicate on a matter and come to a conclusion in law. And when that happens, there's no one around in the de facto government to say it ain't so, because it is. And this well, is what we're aiming at, because every plan that everybody ever had was perfect, but it cannot be adjudicated, because we always ask for the cooperation of those who are not willing to turn us loose. Well, the problem with it as far as the procedural part is what it's, well, how it's supposed to work is that, the, that someone comes to the grand jury and says, look, i got a problem here. And the grand jury says, okay, we'll take a look at this and investigate. Now, if, they, if the person that brings them the, or sorry, I should say the people, one of the people brings the problem to them, they're supposed to investigate and then find whatever they can, and they can have you know, executive officers go out and bring people into interview 
uh, and do subpoenas if they want. They can gather documents. And then the grand jury is supposed to create a, 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 a presentment to whoever is going to prosecute. Now, it, can, it doesn't have to be an attorney general. Certainly, I don't, in my personal opinion, it shouldn't be an attorney at all. It should be the one whose problem it was goes and prosecutes the, the claim in a court of record. And then a petite jury of 12 then decides both the facts and the law in a court of record. And that, all right along the board of what I just said, is all constitutional, and the Supreme Court agrees with everything I just said. So I don't know what they did, or I don't know what they filed, but my guess is, is that they probably did not under, they probably tried to do something in an administrative capacity on the private side and then tried to force it by going after and doing, doing even more things on the administrative private side, like, say, I don't know, putting liens on their bonds or liens on their property or something along those lines that never got adjudicated properly in a court of record. Because that's where people get messed up. They, they have this difference between not understanding what you can do on the private side as far as leverage is concerned regarding the whole law merchant, commercial side, insurance side, bonds, all that stuff, compared to what you're supposed to do when you adjudicate a specific matter. And what you have to do in, in, in place in order to have your rights adjudicated. It's it's a process thing that I think that people mess up on. Steve, I agree with you 100% of everything that's in place, and I have a vast knowledge of everything that does not work. And so my, Me too. my one statement to you is you need to believe what we're doing is the answer because it's directly from the people with the people's authority, the people standing on the original documents, seeking back original jurisdiction to claim their right and to have their court. Well, and, in my in my personal in my personal opinion regarding the the documents to to have their court, it's how you just it's it's the paperwork of how you create the court. A vast majority of people try to wander into equity courts and then try to throw throw around common law arguments, and that's ludicrous. Right. You don't walk in. You don't walk in before a chancellor and go, "Hey, by the way, I've got a constitution here, and this is what it says." And he'd go, "This is an equity court. What are you talking about? This deals with a contract. Get out of here." Right. 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 It's 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 a, it's a process of understanding the five jurisdictions of law. The process of understanding what and when you're supposed to do a particular type of paperwork, what that paperwork actually means, and not to mix them up. It, it, I don't, to me, there's no, uh, there's no authority or no, thing, no specific thing that anyone needs to go and create nor do from the standpoint of any, any other foundational document. Just use the foundation, foundational documents that are there, but use them in the way of which your proper status is shown. Put them in their trustee position. They don't I, like it. Then, 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 if you don't, if they don't like being in the trustee position in a properly created court of record case or in a properly created grand jury uh, presentment and true bill, then indict them for for ex- exceeding their jurisdiction. As yeah, long as as long as you're not crossing equity and at law, because if right. somebody's got a somebody's got a a, a a problem from a standpoint of a contract, they can't bring that to a grand jury and say, "Oh, help me." Well, no, you signed the contract. You're, you're right back to asking a judge to adjudicate a matter. 
That's right, because you're right. And in a court of record, you're not going to do that. In a court of record, there is no judge. It's only a magistrate. You, you get rid of the judge. You, you derobe him, basically. You get you get rid of his color. Right. Because if people understood what... May I? Yes, you may. I just have one question, and I might have another one later on. I need to ask Steve, where is your... Uh, committee of safety and your status and your enforcement. I yield. Okay. Okay. First off, I need to. We need to define our terms here. What do you mean? What is, what is a? What do you mean by a committee of safety? I do not know what that is. Define. Define your term for me. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I I um, muted myself. I unmuted myself now. Um, may I speak? Yes, yes, you may. Answer Steve when he asks is good. Your assembly, your county assemblies, with your 13 people in a number of your counties, and then maybe um, your territory of the rest of your state, uh, 13 people in that area, um, is your Committee of Safety. Our assemblies are our committees of safety, and we make them very, very safe. We don't. Okay. Again, again, I don't know what you get. What's the definition of a of a committee of safety? It's it's not a term that I is defined in law that I know of. So, is it something you guys have created and defined on your own, or is it something that? No, the historical committee. It was committees of safety were around during the time of the revolution. And those we looked at and we said, oh, these people were holding assemblies. Oh, this committee of safety was holding an assembly. Well, what are the assemblies? So you go on and you study the little, the little um, history of the United States. And, of course, you can go back in ancient history, too. And um, you certainly do have a lot of history. But committees of safety, your your assembly is a safe place for everybody to go to, and you don't put it in jeopardy. That's true. If you look up the definition of the word assembly, that's exactly what it is. It's a place where people meet together to decide a certain matter. And those that uh, say vote, or if you have a vote in an assembly and some and people vote no, there there's there's no repercussions about somebody voting no. And people have the right to come and go as they please, and there's no there's no binding contract one way or the other. That's, I mean, that's what an assembly is. I I just but if they if they if they called them assemblies of safety, I guess it's probably just because they felt safe in larger numbers, which of course is true because there's there's protection in the in the herd. So not I did not say, I did not say I did not say assemblies of safety. And what you're what you have is you have in our history. Committees of safety, and that's what they called them. And then they had assemblies, and that's what they called them. And I think the people that were in the assemblies were also the committee of safety, and they had different functions. Maybe their committees of safety came out of their assemblies. Their assemblies gave the people in their assemblies to form their committee of safety and on, you know, like that. So Maybe. The assemblies, the assemblies is where the original authority lies because that is we, the people. Could I ask you a question? Where exactly did you find that specific information regarding uh, 
that that term committees of safety and um, well, let me look at, let me look at look on the little um search engine really quick okay and then I will tell you let me pick this up from there Due to the fact that the President of the United States of America only is in office at certain times to do certain things. At any time that he is out of the office, the committees of safety across the country hold the authority in what goes on. This is a term that has been around since the beginning of this country. It was involved in the formation of this country. If something ever happens to the government at large, it is up to the committees of safety to hold, preserve, protect this country at large. It's an old Okay, term. I just want, I, that, 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 it's just a term that I've never heard, so if you can, if anybody can verify it for me or where it was used in the colonial times, that's, that's fine. I'm just saying that that's not a term I've ever heard of before, nor have I ever okay. seen it pop up in any documentation of the colonial times, so... Okay, well, you can look up, um, I just Googled, not Googled, Wikipedia, Wikipedia Committees of Safety. I, I just put into my search engine, um, Committees of Safety. And one of the first things, it says Committees of Safety, American Revolution, Wikipedia, Committee of Safety, Hawaii, 13-member um, group, and then Committee of Safety, Wikipedia again, um, setting up a Committee of Safety. And I haven't even looked on looked at any of these that, except for the first one I just mentioned to you. Um, committee of Safety definition, dictionary definition of committees of safety. And um, how many pages? Let me see how many pages. Okay, there's more than eight pages. So, and they have something to do with the committees of correspondence. And I'm sure they have something to do with the fundamental orders in Connecticut and so on. They were in different states. Well, all the right, Paul. So Paul knows a little bit more about it than I do, and it has something to do with the Massachusetts General Court and so on. Um, they were all over the United States. It, it, um, I suppose if I did a little more research, I could give you a, a history of maybe in different countries too. That would be very, very interesting. Oh, I would love to do that. But well, since right now, we're on a discussion of committees, maybe a committee should be made to look into committees. <laughs> oh, well, you could, you could, but um, at this point, at this point, what um, the research we have done in Michigan is that we should have, of course, the right to the grand jury and all that, but it must come out of the authority of the assembly. The assembly is something that when the people assembled together for the American Revolution, they made up committees of correspondence, committees of inspection, committees of observation, committees of safety. And that's just in the little Wikipedia article. So we have, we have the assemblies, and we have Michigan General Drill Assembly. But before we had Michigan General Drill Assembly, we had... Wayne County General Drill Assembly, Oakland County General Drill Assembly, etc. So we had a lot of counties, and then we kind of came to a standstill, and then we decided to go to our history and look up Michigan um, territory. And of course, that came out of the 
the um, the Northwest Territory, and the Northwest Territory came out of the Virginia. Oh, what was it? It came out of the, the Louisiana territory. Purchase. Virginia. Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I don't know if the Louisiana Purchase was at at that time. The Virginia no. Territory. Virginia had Virginia had land. Okay, and I've got a map that shows it. Very very interesting. Anyway. <laughs> the Virginia Colony, Virginia Company, their territory went from the Atlantic Ocean all the way to the Mississippi. And then, of course, north, there was a, a big triangle of, of land. So it was very, very cool. And, of course, they had to uh, concede that it wasn't theirs anymore. And that, all of those little, all of those little, um, uh, changes to the maps, you know, the map of the Northwest Territory. That had to happen when Virginia conceded its its territory to the United States so that it may uh may 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 be the Northwest Territory and out of that comes our state, which is very cool. And I looked up this is just off the subject just ever so slightly. I looked up just while you guys were talking, um, let's see. Illinois, I, I googled it. Illinois um, counties, I think. Just a moment. Illinois counties, just those two words. And I got loads of information. And I can see that you guys have on your on if you if you can do your um, uh, search. This is so cool. I would love to help you guys with this, but. Maybe I could just send, Joe can send it to you, our uh, secretary. It's called maps.ilgw.org. <laughs> it's, got, it's got all your history from like 1790, 1790 to 1859, all the different counties. And anyway, and then there's a home. I didn't even discover that yet. I haven't even clicked on that part. But there's just so much information on the Internet. And I find that it's very, very interesting. And um, if my uh, if my assembly will allow me, I I would like to um, put put together something that's pretty neat and just information information on all kinds of links. Just well, the single about the single critical the single critical question that I have regarding the assembly, as it is, and what you're calling an assembly, is that. You keep referring to, or at least it's been referred to tonight, that the grand jury must be picked from the assembly. I would like any reference anywhere in history where that is some sort of some kind of absolutism, or that that even is valid in law, like a valid idea in law. Because the grand jury can meet. The grand jury itself is an assembly. It it is an assembly of itself. It just has a specific name called a grand jury. Yeah. Okay, but um, if an assembly is assembled today, if a grand jury is assembled today, there's lawyers that sat in there giving direction. And that can't possibly be because the fourth branch of government is the people's grand jury. That's right. And I agree with you. you. And the, the grand juries that they've put together do not have 25 or more people. If you don't have 25 or more, it's not a grand jury. It's a, it's a de facto grand jury that I completely agree with you. It's con totally controlled by the district attorney. Right. And, and they've got a bunch of U.S. citizens in there. 
it does not keep its finding or its uh its uh uh the time spent is revealed. In other words, we right. had a grand jury a year ago where the people come out and talked about what went on in the grand jury room, and that can't possibly be. One thing is for certain is when you have assemblies, assemblies give the people standing, number one, competence, number two, and self-government, number three. Well, those, those are blanket statements that I don't have any. Those are blanket. Now, I'm not saying that they don't give the people power. They certainly do, from, because I said there's power in numbers. But from the standpoint that there, that, that, that an assembly gives the people that are already members of the peerage any of those things, that there has to be something called an assembly, and that that assembly gives those people those things, and they did not have those things prior to them being grouped in what's called an assembly. I completely unequivocally disagree with you. And unless you can prove me, unless you can prove what you're saying, I, I just, there's no basis for it. You just got to, and if you can prove it, that's great. Please do so. But I'm just I, saying that I, you're, you're just stating that it is, and there, there's, I don't have any factual background on it. Okay. I object. Have you read the fundamental orders yet that have been sent over? If you have not read the fundamental orders, this discussion must stop until you read the fundamental orders, because uh, the fundamental orders has been the early part of this country, and that's what set the groundwork for people involved in assemblies. And without it, this discussion can't go any further because you have not read that reference information. And this this is a document that you guys put together. That's the name of the document that you guys put together, or or you're saying that there are documents that are called fundamental orders that exist already. Yes, so they are documents do exist. Yes, we did the research clear back in the colonies on the East Coast, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island. We went back and looked for the first assemblies that were put together in this country, and we sought out their documentation, and we got copies of their documents, how the first assemblies were formed and why they were formed. There's quite a bit of discussion that surrounded each document. But see, Steve, right now, what have the people in this country got? They can't even grab a handful of air because they do not have that. They don't have a single solitary thing. So this is... uh, we we want, like to make these calls last about an hour and a half so people can get on the 9 o'clock national call. I'll tell you, Steve and Narveen and Dave, this is what we're thinking about here. There's been some scuttlebutt in Michigan we're going to reveal to you. We meet in different cities, in different counties throughout the state within the course of the year. One of those meetings is in the south west corner of Michigan, down near the Niles area, down in there. We are thinking if you people from Illinois would like to get a group together and meet with us in our southwest corner, we'd love to have you. We would hold a meeting there that day and spend the entire afternoon showing you what we have and giving you what we term as If you remember from the prior discussion, when someone gets 13 people together in a county, 
and they come, which are the people that put the documents together and have the most amount of understanding, they make a they make a presentation to the people that are in that county and explain from top to bottom everything that's going on so these people can be intelligent about what they do in forming their assembly and forming their petite grand jury and getting their county settled. And we would like to do a presentment, the people in Michigan, the officers and, and the people in Michigan would like to do a presentment to Illinois if you people would like to get together. How does that sound? Sounds absolutely wonderful where I'm concerned. I think that it would be very informative. Uh, when would you like to do that? Well, we have some ferocious storms in that part of the world. <laughs> uh, uh, February, January, February, March. So we certainly would not like to fix some weather when it's really, really bad. But the thing is, it would be great if we could meet next week. Well, we don't even have a. We don't let's let's get let's have a, at least enough time for us to actually gather a group that's that's so that we have a group to to come along. We we're just starting to get everybody grouped together here, uh, and I I haven't even met everybody else that's in Illinois yet. So uh, we will this Saturday. I'm gonna buy, I'm personally gonna bow out and then wait for a while until I get everything else up and running, at least around Illinois area. So I, I thank you for the opportunity and the, and the offer. I will, I will definitely consider it, but um, maybe, yeah, in a, in a couple of months uh, after the weather, that'd be fine. Yeah. That, that would probably be about as much time as it would take to get everything else organized and kind of That's have a group together. That's what I was thinking of after the weather, because the weather is, um, is very uh, strange right now. So let us uh, plan on after the weather. Um, next week, I'm not sure that we can. I I can do it myself, but uh, let's plan on. Let's watch the weather and keep in touch, and plan something a little bit later. But I definitely would love to. However, we in Michigan would like to keep con- discussions open, and yes. we would like to meet with you week after week if you would like to meet with us because we w- we think that probably. We are helping you to understand what's been discovered here, and we would like to make that clear to you. Uh, so if you would like to meet with us next week, uh, that would be grand. We'd like to have you. We'd like to spend the time with you, and we'd have more people like Linda on this call that have things that they would like to ask and like to talk to you about. Absolutely. Yeah, that's fine. I don't have a problem joining the call. Everyone. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys do a call on a regular weekly basis or whatnot. Sometimes I'm busy, though. I, either I've got paperwork that I've got to finish for other people or I, I'm putting out two or three fires in different places regarding um, other matters. But I'm happy, to, I'm happy to join. If, if you, I'm happy to join for, for exchange of knowledge reasons always, regardless of... What, what else is yeah, that? that's very that's very very valuable the exchange of knowledge. Uh, Michigan has a call every Thursday, but they start at about nine o'clock their time. That's eight o'clock our time, and so this would be the Illinois Michigan call, and that will preempt. It will be before 
the national call, the one that's going to go on now in a few, you know, in a, in a short time now will be national. And you can't speak that much in it. This is much more private and it's restricted to only Illinois and uh, Michigan. And we would like to invite any of the Illinois Assembly on it too, if you if that's all right with you all. Anybody from Illinois that, that you people have in your gathering would be more than welcome to be on this call. This is a, this is strictly a call between the officers in Michigan and the people in Illinois who are attempting to understand and make an assembly in their state. But Steve, I'll tell you one thing. You're talking about putting out fires. If you get the assembly in place, the fire all the fires will be put out with one effort and one fell swoop. It'll all come to an end. But we have to have a state completely settled first. Anyway, would Illinois like to meet? Uh, I know you, you have a week, problem yes. on Monday, so you can't meet Monday and we can't meet Tuesday or Wednesday. So would you like to meet next Thursday again? Sure, the same time, a little bit earlier. But I'd like to say something, and I'd like to ask a question, please, on in closing, because I know you yep. have to go. Absolutely. Um, we have already had this printed, so it's like now what to do, and we'll have to decide on that within the Illinois Assembly. As but your input will be very helpful. What you say? What if do we have to do an amendment? Do we do some kind of a, a fixing up with the errors and all that have been put in this uh, one that I that that you have in front of you that you have on the screen? That so how do we fix that? It's like, you know, creating that issue. The other yeah. thing is that we are because we were given that impression, we are doing and following that pattern, which is now that the state has been settled with all the diff all the ones that have representation, like the different counties, uh, we'll start we're going to start and just on Tuesday they the assembly decided that we were going to start with one of the counties. And we have a problem with another county and they're going to be approaching in fact they're going to be meeting Steve and Dave on Saturday. So then that's another county, it's an adjacent county that we'll be uh looking at. So now we are going in to all of the other counties, and maybe we have to do an announcement at the end of that. I don't know, and that's that's something that, and you don't maybe answer now, but maybe we answer, and we we look at that next week or something. Are you, Marvin? This is the way things go in, in my mind. Is when I were telling you tonight about the history of Michigan effort when a lot of people got together and they formulated a plan, started putting some documents together, and everything was an idea, a common idea in many people's mind. And many people came together and agreed upon every word that was put in every document. But everything was an idea until the first county was settled with 13 or more people and that county was settled, and the notice was given, that was the existence of the first authority. Authority did not even exist prior to that time. But at that first county settling, 
there was authority for the first time. And then that gave credence to the idea. And then it spread to the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth county settlement. Actually, we needed three-quarter settlement of the counties in the state in order to settle the state, which we haven't achieved in that fashion, but we achieved through the territory. So until you have the authority, you don't have anything. This is like going back to the rap thing. When people started asking these presidents of rap how they attained their position, they said, oh, we just had an election. Well, they claim to have represented the whole country, but nobody was invited to the election. And that's when the whole thing began to fall apart, and these people took on a life of their own and started investigating assemblies. So until you have that first, you have all the ideas put together, all the best planning put together, and you can write very good documents, they're in place, but they're not accepted or not approved but they're in place for, as a, like a set of directions to follow to accomplish your, a certain task. At that first settling of that first county, there comes the first authority for the first time. A county settled by a, a number of people that are enough to settle a petite jury or to comprise a uh, petite jury. It, does oh. that seem clear to you? Yeah. Well, that history of what you're speaking about, about settling, that's in those, that's in what you were talking about, the fundamental orders documents. Yeah. All that information's in there. Well, it is, it is in the 1600 style. It is back then in the beginning when those people left England. One thing that mostly stood out was in England and Europe, nobody owns, a common man didn't own property. Over here, they could put a stake in the ground and they could own as much as they wanted, as they needed. That was a big difference. Yeah, it was a difference between it was a difference between title and allodium and title er, and feudal tenure. Yes. Yes. But anyway, if you people would like to get together next week, we would love to be on this call, and we'd love to spend the time with you. And there were several people on this call tonight from Michigan who have more things that they would like to bring up on this call and other people would like to speak. If you'd like yeah. to have us, we'd like Absolutely. to be there. Absolutely. I'd love to. We Very will good. be there on the call next week. Same Very time, six thirty, six thirty, right? Yes, and the same the same numbers too. Sure. Everything's in place. Thank you so much. We had we had a grand time tonight, and we got over a lot of ground. And we hope that we've helped you. We hope that yes. we've somehow, you know, enlightened you a little bit as to where we're at. We don't understand how much we've been over until we have to stop and explain it to someone else. And then we think, oh, man, we've come a long way. You know? That's so. right. That's right. It's extremely helpful. Okay. And I'm very appreciative that you took the time for this, and thank you for all of Michigan for doing this and helping us. We thank you for all of Illinois being interested enough to join in. Yes. Well, good night, everyone, and thank you very much, very much for everybody in Michigan that was on this call tonight for contributing to the welfare and the well-being of, of the people of Illinois.
So, good night, everyone, and we'll see you in a week from today. That's right, a week from today. Yeah. Okay. Very well. Be well. Good night. Good night. This on this call for Thursday, February the second, twenty sixteen twenty seventeen at nine eighteen PM. We'll see you back here next Thursday at seven thirty Eastern their time, our time, six thirty p six thirty PM their time in Illinois. That's thank you and have a good night. Good night. Call terminating. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.